gore And sometimes a little more My Bloody Podcast <laughs> Welcome everyone, boils and ghouls Boils, boils and ghouls, I like that You are at the Bloody Podcast. Actually, it's my bloody podcast. Well, actually, it's kind of our bloody podcast, but my bloody podcast. It's episode 15, Milestone in the Making, where we talk about all things horror on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. I'm Brian Kluger, and you know what? I always have the best host with the most, the yin to my yang, the hairiest beast man alive, who I just... Just want him to take off his shirt and just try to keep it innocent because he doesn't. His name is Preston Barta, and I'm just so happy to be talking with him today. How are you, sir? I'm so I'm doing very very well. Ooh, I'm I'm very surprised that you didn't throw sweet smelling in there. I'm hairy this week. <laughs> you are the hairy beast man. <laughs> if we put our I beg chest, to differ. If we put our hairy chest together, would it be like Velcro? I don't know. We'll have to check that out. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. We'd just be stuck together. It'd be amazing. Um, but yes, it's our 15th episode. I always make that uh, Seth Rogen joke where we're watching like some movie with like a guy that has like 18 abs. I was like, yeah, if I just shave my chest, it'll look exactly like that. <laughs> it's almost look- <laughs> hidden under so much hair. <laughs> it's true. It's just It's all hidden. I have, It's all muscle, really. It's just you just can't see it. Ah, it's so good. But yes, my bloody podcast, we've done this for, this is our 15th week. I can't believe it. We've almost been going on four months now and it's just going strong and I love it. And I love our main topic today, which is Dead Alive, Peter Jackson's own Dead Alive. Some of you know it as Brain Dead, but we'll get to that later because you're just like, holy shit, Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings guy made this movie and then made Lord of the Rings. What? amazing mm-hmm. um we got a lot of news we got some bloody recommendations but first off preston there was a big announcement this week in the form of a film festival what we got so much to look forward to uh so a horror festival or i guess genre film festival that we have to go to every year is Fantastic Fest in Austin, and they have released their first wave of films, and uh, they got some good ones in there. And I got to be honest, at the top, I was, I'm kind of surprised that there are so many great ones in there because after last year and a lot of things that have kind of happened leading up to this announcement have been kind of strange. They fantastic fest raised the prices of their badges. And this is all kind of due to the controversy that happened last year. Yes. Leading up to its festival. Correct. And, but, uh, we got movies like overlord in there, which is JJ Abrams, uh, produced film, uh, that we talked about a couple last week or the week before. Uh, when they released that trailer. And uh, I'll let you take this one because I know that you're you're a big Raid fan, so you can talk a little bit about that and anything else that's uh, of interest to you. 
Oh, my God. So this movie called, well, the guy who made Raid, Gareth Evans, um, if you haven't seen The Raid or Raid 2, I mean, holy God, amazing fight choreography, brutal, uh, amazing stories. But he's making a movie called, he made a movie called Apostle, and it's going to be on Netflix in October. But this movie yep. just seems so crazy, and the trailer for it, it just like seems like hell's rising from the ground in this house and this guy. Oh my god! In the year is nineteen oh five, so it's kind of like a period piece. But mm-hmm. I just oh, I, I, it's like folk horror. Yeah, I think it's going to be insane, insane uh, with Apostle. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to that. And. And uh, Netflix and Fantastic Fest go pretty well together because last year we got Gerald's Game and 1922 and Wheelman. And, and uh, James Cole Clay actually wrote a really good article last year after we went to Fantastic Fest talking about how Netflix has been kind of uh, changing their gears in the kind of hor- in, in the kind of films that they make. And because, you know, me and him have had lengthy discussions about how Netflix films or Netflix original films, even some of their shows outside of like the huge ones, like stranger things and things like that. Um, they have Netflix kind of has like a polished look, like it just looks fake. It's overlit. And the, the quality just hasn't quite been there, but it was like after last year, they were like, Oh man, they're like, I'm just on board with a lot of, of what they're putting out. And even some of these like rom-com movies that I saw earlier this year, um, uh, the night we met, I think that's what it's called. Um, and then I watched another one a couple of weeks ago with my wife. Um, that was really good. Had, uh, Zoe Dutch in it. And, um, so I, I'm, I'm excited about Netflix coming back and bringing some of these films that are more in, in line with uh, my tastes. And so, yeah, after last year, I'm excited for this year. And it seems like with apostle and uh, other things like that, um, it should be a pretty good year. Yeah. It looks, it looks crazy. There's a movie from the Czech Republic, which is a stop motion animated movie called Laika. And it's about the, like the, like the second space dog that went to space. I'm like very excited about this. I mean, this is a movie I think that, no matter what, I think I'm going to like it. I just, uh, I don't know, a space dog animated movie. I'm in. I'm in. Also, it looks like there's an Israeli film um, uh, called Madame Yankalova's Fine Literature Club, which looks uh, looks to be very twisted and weird. And there's a guy with a ball gag in it. And it looks like Clue and Murder and Hilarity from Israel. Very excited. Very excited. Um, also, we were speaking about the Raid and Raid 2. The star of Raid and Raid 2, the badass ninja guy, um, stars in this new movie from Indonesia called Night Comes For Us. And uh, about a former triad enforcer who must protect a young girl trying to escape the former gang. Um, and, ooh, I can't wait because that guy is amazing. So, um, also, there looks to be another movie called One Cut of the Dead, 
which looks like a zombie movie about a guy who wants to make a zombie film. And while he's making a zombie movie, zombies appear. I'm in. I'm in. Anything mm-hmm. zombie that's weird. Um, also, as you know me, as Preston has said before, I am ba- my life is basically the movie The Greasy Strangler. So the guy who made The Greasy Strangler has his, his next movie, his follow-up to The Greasy Strangler, which I'm trying to figure out. I don't know what, how, how would you describe this movie? Or do you know about it at all? Uh, uh, the Evening with Beverly Luffin? Luffin? Yes. I, I have no idea, but it, it, what it says, it's like David Lynch meets John Waters. Um, so <laughs> I'm in. I'm really in. <laughs> it might be my new favorite. You know, I, I have not seen The Greasy Strangler, and I don't think I ever will. Oh, no. We're I, gonna might. Do it for I this might watch podcast. it with you one day. We are going to do it for this podcast. Um, okay. <laughs> you have to do it. Um, then maybe we need to get together so we can watch that together, because I know that you wanted to watch uh, Dead Alive with me and be there for that, but maybe I should be there with you for this. But... Um, I'll watch this one with you. Good, good. Sure. No, that sounds like a, that sounds like a pretty good description. That's a that's a pretty high bar. It, it is Lynch a high meets bar. De, uh, John Waters. And then th- there's a movie with a hilarious title, which Preston brought up uh, a few days ago. Um, it's from the uh, AGFA, um, which is the uh, is it the American genre film? What is it? I'm trying to remember what it's called. Oh no, the AGFA. Oh, the American Genre Film Archive, which is a company that kind of takes these old movies that are found and releases them. And this movie is mm-hmm. called Mary Jane's Not a Virgin Anymore, which by the title alone just sounds amazing. This, yeah. This might be one that we watch in like mid evening or really late night with some like tequila. <laughs> yeah. I yeah I hadn't I haven't seen it so uh, yeah it, its description says a punk spirited uh, DIY film combined with B movie aesthetics and riot girl feminism and brand new two <laughs> K preservations um, I really wish it was just called Mary's not a virgin anymore that sounds a little more hard hitting Mary, Mary's not but a virgin Mary Jane's anymore. fine Mary Jane's not a virgin anymore yeah no it's it's all good. Yeah. Yep. It's it's good, but yeah, fantastic. Uh, not, just... not as good as uh, I think the best title I've seen at Fantastic Fest is Pervert Boy. <laughs> Pervert Boy. Yeah. But yeah, this is just the this is just the first wave. There's going to be at least another wave or two announced, and we don't even know the opening night film. We don't know the closing night film yet. So there's probably going to be Mm-mm. some more. Uh, some more films that are too big for our britches. Um, we have another bit of news, but it coincides with this festival. Um, there is a movie called Luz. I think I'm pronouncing that right. L-U-Z from Germany that has a trailer out right now. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think about this? Oh, I um, I love this trailer. It's real brief, but... Uh... I love when movies 
movies that come or modern movies that kind of take uh, the look of a classic one. This one looks like it takes a lot of pointers from like seventies horror. Like it, was, it just feels like it's shot in the seventies. Well, it was a lot of long. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, technically, well, it wasn't shot. It was made today, but it was all shot on Six, 16, 16 millimeter, millimeter, which is what yeah. they had back then. And like, even the poster, I mean, you see it and you're just like, wow, did this movie come out now or back then? And I'm just, I like Preston. It's so cool when filmmakers do that because it brings you back to that grindhousey horror aspect. Because when you see like a movie today, a horror movie today, you know, like uh, we love Hereditary, but when you see it, it's like sheen and it's gloss. You know, it, it, there's part of you that's like, okay, it's you know, it feels you know like a movie. But when you see something like Luz or something from the '70s, it feels raw and like, holy shit, is this like an actual home movie? That's scary. Yeah. Yeah, with Hereditary, it, it makes sense as to why they do it that way because it's it's almost like it's a drama trying disguising, or I guess it's a horror movie disguised as a drama. So it's trying to fool, almost like surprising you that hey, there's a lot of scary shit that happens in here. Right. Uh, when this one is trying to evoke uh, those types of feelings that you have when you're watching movies like this, like, Oh man, this feels like something that I used to watch when I was a kid, when I popped it into my VCR. And there's a lot of cool, like style choices outside of just it being shot on 16 millimeter. Like there's even like a sequence in the trailer and the there's the trailers. Uh, if you Google it, it's only like 49 seconds long and they put it on Vimeo, but there's like a shot of like the girl, the, the the central woman or I guess titular woman, um, where she it, it's made to look like she's in a car accident I believe and then but it shows like the reality of the situation and she's just uh, like sitting down in a chair and it looks like it plays with a lot of like fantastical elements and uh, has like this creepy dude that has like. Um, What's his name? The the guy from Blade Runner. That's the Tears in the Ring. I know who you're talking about. Space on it. I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, Ruth uh, Hogger or whatever his name oh, is. Oh, Rugger Hauer. This is Rugger Hauer. Yeah. Jeez. Um, yeah, I like, had just watched a movie with him not too long ago called The Breed Apart, and he has hair that looks exactly like. So even like down to like the costumes and wardrobes, they feel like inspired from by seventies horror. It's very cool, but, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. And um, yeah, in, in the movie, like Preston said, it was forty nine second long trailer. The movie's only seventy minutes, so it's super short. Yeah, so I'm excited. This looks yeah, like a good, good year. Yeah. yeah. I think so too. I'm still like, I get excited, uh, just still trying to think about like, what are the, the, the possibilities of what could be the secret screening? What could be the opener? Like, what are these other big movies that are going to happen? It's like, Oh, is Suspiria going to be there. It's, it's just, it's exciting. It is very, very exciting because we've got the Rob Zombie three from hell movie. We've got the new Halloween movie. We've got glass, you know, the split sequel, yeah. Unbreakable sequel that mm-hmm. could all happen at this festival. So we don't yeah. know. We don't know. Um, but yeah, that's Fantastic Fest first wave. I know we'll have 
way more to talk about in the coming weeks for sure on this festival. But yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, should we uh, move on? Yeah. Let's move on. All right. Um, let's talk about... Uh, let, let, let's, let's do the It set photos. Um, it Chapter yeah. 2 set photos. Um, yeah, so uh, today I saw quite a few photos that people have kind of like taking that have uh, th- they've taken them of them on set. And one of the photos I saw showed Jessica Chastain, who plays the older Beverly Marsh in It Chapter Two, um, alongside Sophia Lillis, who plays Beverly in the first chapter. And so, which is really cool to kind of side by side because uh, what probably my favorite that I've seen this year, um, or at least I, I think it's it's in my top three, uh, is American Animals. And there's a sequence in the film where um, one of the guys sees um, his older version, like an older version of him himself, like because the movie's about a robbery. And so he sees an older version of himself as he's driving to go do this robbery. And so it kind of plays with that idea of like, uh, like my older self, like looking back on this memory and being like, Oh no. Um, so this could be anything like it shows, uh, Jessica Chastain, like holding her hand or twirling around her as she's riding her bicycle or something like that. So kind of like going back in time, reflecting on a memory, but in there because you're wanting to be in touch with your, your younger self. And so at least that's what I'm kind of gathering from the photo. It could be so many different things, but, uh, it's cool to see that, Already, it just seems like it's going to be an inventive project outside of just being a follow-up to an enjoyable hangout, scary film. And so I'm. This makes me even more excited about it. And then they had another like wide shot of the whole gang walking in the street, and just to see them all together. That's not in like a photo of them just like reading the script trying to recreate the last supper or something like that. Like this is like a them on the set and it feels tangible. It feels real. And, uh, it has me, yeah, it has me more excited. And so I, I just can't wait. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. I'm super excited because the last film was so good and it looks like they've cast this well and, uh, can't wait to see where they take it. You know, if it follows yeah. kind of closely with the book or even the 1990s TV series, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in. Um, moving All on. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Nicholas Wayne and Refn, one of my favorite guys to talk to and uh, favorite directors, uh, he's launching a free cult genre film streaming service. Um, if you have ever, like, watched views with him outside of just the kind of material that he includes in his films like this guy is he's he is something to say the very least yes um just at fantastic fest uh, and by the way i'm really hoping that his uh, new tv show makes a has its premiere at fantastic fest it could it could also happen um he put out this uh poster book 
for essentially porno. Um, all these like kind of adult film posters from like back in the day, like some of them you can't even like watch anymore, but he put out this poster book and that just goes to show you like, man, this guy will just, just about put his hands in anything. And that is not a pun. Um, (laughs) he, (laughs) um, so yeah, he's going to be, he's, he says that one of his hobbies is just kind of playing with scores and old films and just, um, and he wants to, he wants a place to kind of put all these things. And so he wants to kind of give it to the people and for free, like he, he's billing the thing. And so, um, yeah, you can, uh, watch all these obscure titles and things you've never seen before and things that he thinks are interesting and probably influence the kind of films that he makes. So it's just a streaming service of a bunch of strange uh, movies. Which is super cool, especially that's being for free. And you're going to see shit that you've never seen before. Such as a couple years ago at Fantastic Fest, um, they showed uh, a rated X porno called the X-Rated Supermarket. And Nicholas Wayne Refn intro the movie and did a Q&A after it. He didn't have any part of that movie. He'd never seen it before until we just watched it, but he just loves that cinema so much. And I'm just glad that somebody like him is like, screw it. I'm going to do it. We're going to do this. I don't care what people say. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's also very him because the title of the streaming service is called by NWR. And if you saw neon demon, like he has his own brand, which is NWR on, on the film. It's almost like Tyler Perry, the butler, directed <laughs> yes. by Tyler Perry. Like he he is just – he is so up his own ass and it's great um, because I actually enjoy him as a personality and as a person. At, like at this point, like anything he says, it just goes and I'm like, all right, dude. Like, I, like you're just great. Um, so – yeah, it's on like if you head over to his website by NWR, you can sign up for the the newsletter uh, ahead of uh, to kind of see like what kind of movies that they're doing and that sort of thing. So right now, the first batch of titles that were acquired by the service is this movie called Night Tide. It came out in 1961. The Nest of the Cuckoo Birds, The Burning Hell, and Hot Thrills and Warm Chills. So they're all the uh, 1960 and 1970 films. So I can't wait, man. It's going to be great. It's going to be so good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nicholas Wayne Reffin, we thank you, and we hope this thing lasts for a long time and people really catch on. So yeah. here it is. Um, a couple uh, more bits of news. Um, if you are into anthology films, like uh, Creep Show. Tales from the Crypt TV show, um, Trick or Treat. Uh, back in the 90s, there was an all African American uh, movie called Tales from the Hood, a little play on Tales from the Crypt, um, in this anthology horror film. And it was amazing. There were like puppets, there were uh, demons. It was good. And it was actually pretty scary. But finally, after all these years, it looks like they're finally making a sequel to this um mm-hmm. which is crazy to me well not crazy but super exciting 
Um, I'm just, I'm just in awe that we finally get this. And I guess, you know, with this Tales from the Hood Part Two, it just seems like you know, with movies like Get Out, you know, our current political uh, climate, it just seems like the perfect time for this to come out. Don't you think? Yeah, socially aware genre films. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so the movie has been made, and it's kind of making like its rounds at uh, some of the genre film festivals. So yeah, Fantasia. Uh, yes. So I'm hoping that it comes to Fantastic Fest, or at least it gets purchased and we get it on Blu-ray from Screen Factory or somebody. Um. Well, it's being put out on Blu-ray, yeah, Blu-ray and DVD, digital, and on-demand on October 2nd. Okay, so it is. Um, Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so, yeah, it'll it'll be out in October, so you can see it then. But it it would be nice to kind of have something from Scream Factory down the line just so you can have something that goes along with the already great uh, uh, original Tales from the Hood that has a nice sleeve and everything, so it could go well with that. Um, but, uh, I read a couple of the reviews for this one since it played on Friday the 13th back in July at Fantasia or yeah, back in Fantasia. And, uh, they said that it's a pretty good, uh, solid continuation. Like, I mean, it's for it to make its premiere or I guess like for everybody to see it, it will be on October 2nd and, you know, my, what I've said in the past about stuff that goes like the quality of things that go straight to Blu-ray and DVD, but, but then you have stuff like the, the cult of Chucky, which was great. And so something like this. So I think things are looking better. And like, even now things going straight to on demand or Netflix, uh, like the quality has gone up. I mean, you can kind of tell with like, especially like horror films, they, they still have that because cult of Chucky still has that kind of, uh, off uh, look to it that feels like it's you know straight to Blu-ray and DVD, but the story's there and the chilling of it all is still there. So I have hopes for this, and they say that it's fun. So uh, and and I like Keith David. Yeah, Keith, and so Keith, to have him as Mr. Sims will be good. Yes, Keith David, otherwise known as the uh, the the co-host to Rowdy Roddy Piper in They Live. Fantastic. Yeah, in the thing. Yes. Yes, John Something Carpenter. about Mary. <laughs> Is it the Franks or the Beans? I don't know. How the hell did you get the zip up to the top? <laughs> that is great. Um, yes, so look out for Tales from the Hood 2. Um, and another movie that's been making a ton of noise, a ton of uh, places at film festivals. Basically, I think this is like the 32nd film of this franchise, which is what it seems like. But the Puppet Master movies, there's, a, there's another Puppet Master movie, and it's called The Littlest Reich. <laughs> it has a red <laughs> band trailer now. And if you haven't seen this, holy fucking Moses. <laughs> they went all out for it. <laughs> it's so good. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I watched the, I didn't actually see the trailer, uh, when it, when it made it rounds, but I watched it today and it looks like it's going to go pretty well with our, uh, 
feature review, but just being overly gory and fun, and it's got a good cast. Well, you know who's making it, right? Yeah. Like, the as, guy uh, who made... Craig Zoller. Yeah, but the guy who made Bone Tomahawk and Brawl and Cell Block 99, oh my god, is making Puppet Master, which means he's a big fan of the franchise. <laughs> mm-hmm. You go from those two movies to, like, the eighth movie in a franchise, I'm just... I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Yeah. Yeah. It's playing at the Texas Theater later this month, and I really want to go. Yeah, no, we should both go, actually, because it actually is coming to all the VOD platforms in Digital, digital, H, digital HD um, August 17th, uh, just in a few weeks. But it'll also be in a limited theaters, which in the DFW area where we are will be the mm-hmm. historic, the iconic, the famous Texas Theater. So hopefully Preston and I will be there together holding hands with our puppet fingers mm-hmm. watching it. <laughs> I like that laugh. That's like, I know we will. <laughs> Giddy laugh. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. So I think that's a lot. I think that's it for news, but we have like a cool topic kind of question, don't we? Yeah. Go a little off the cuff here. Um, so you have, what is your unpopular horror opinion? So yeah, unpopular horror opinion. So basically, you know, I saw this question posted online. I thought that's kind of a cool question. Like, we all have opinions about movies, and we're, you know, of course, this is my bloody podcast, um, and we're talking about horror. So I'm sure. All of us who are listening and talking right now, we have an opinion about horror movies in general or a specific horror movie that is very unpopular with friends or the entire horror community. So I thought Mm. that was kind of a cool kind of question or topic to kind of discuss. Uh, So, Preston, I'm very intrigued by what your unpopular opinion is. Uh, I would, I thought, I thought long and hard about it, but I think the one that sticks out in the front of my mind, uh, just cause Friday the 13th is always on my mind at some point in the day. Um, I would have to say Friday the 13th part seven, the new blood is my pick as one that is heavily thought about as one of the worst of the franchise. And, you know, I I definitely see why that that's the case, but I really like it um, just because of how different it is, especially in the last 20 or so minutes, because I've all I've often complained with uh, uh, with all these films that everybody just kind of dies. Like as soon as somebody pops up, like, you know, a naked girl or a jock or whoever it is doing what they shouldn't be doing um as soon as they pop up on screen they're just dead just as quick and they never put up a fight they just run and so this is like one of the 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 first one that i can think of that actually you know outside of like you know the main character or the final girl in the end of the movie at least putting up more of a fight and so it is kind of adhering to that or going towards that 
being that it's the main girl of the film, she has telekinetic powers, which is way different than anything that's been done in the franchise. But her just kicking his ass, Jason's ass for a little while, um, is refreshing. And the movie is heavily problematic as a lot of the films are besides six. Um, but I just find that that last third of the film to be really, really And I like that the, the film like just had enough balls, if you will, to try to do something different. And it actually kind of worked it, or it worked for me. Um, and so, yeah, mine, yeah, mine would be Friday the 13th part seven, the new blood 1988. That's very cool because I, I did like the, uh, the the telekinetic type of storyline. I, I like exactly what you're saying. By far, it's not my favorite, but um, yeah. I do agree with I do agree with you, and that that is definitely an unpopular opinion because most people would say other Friday the Thirteenth movies for sure. But mm-hmm. it is a cool movie. Um, very well, sir. My unpopular opinion on the horror genre. My my unpopular horror opinion um, will have to be the movies The Ring and The Grudge. Uh, I know a lot of people love these movies and say, like, oh, that movie is so scary. Dog shit! No, they're not. Um, I think these these American versions are just completely and utterly useless. I just, I don't care for them whatsoever. I remember seeing these both in the theater and I remember seeing the original Ringu and Juon, uh, the original Japanese films, and they just play so much better. They're creepier. They're scarier. They have more story and character. What we got in these American versions of The Ring and The Grudge are just cheap scares, cheap jump-out scares, and I do not care for it. Not in this particular fact, the faction, really, because they try to take themselves too seriously. I just don't want that. Um, and I know that they made tons of money. They went on to make sequels. And, you know, I'm just not, no, I'm not in for it. And I know that's a very unpopular opinion because I know a lot of people who love The Grudge and The Ring. Are you one of these people, Preston? Yes, I am one of these people. So, <laughs> I, I, so you saw the originals uh, before seeing these two? Uh, yes, I, yes, 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 I did. English remix? Yes. So, yeah, see, I did not because I was really young. I think I was like 10 or 11 when the when the ring came out. So that, that movie had a pretty profound effect on me. More, I like The Grudge, but uh, The Ring more so just because I've always, you know, one of my rec- bloody recommendations that I made uh, within the past couple of weeks was the the nightmare so sleep paralysis so a lot of the shadowy figures and things that i would see in my dreams that would cause me to get in uh have sleep paralysis and just paralysis and not able to move would be things that move a lot like the entities that are in the ring and the grudge they just have like these kind of like jarring movements that almost like lock and pop <laughs> that yeah, are pop in the and more lock, scary yes. movement yeah very yeah, pop and lock yeah there you go um so 
that that's what makes it those kind of an unnerving experience. But I, I can see what you're saying, uh, that you felt like the orchestrated version came before and now we're going to acoustic and, and there's been experiences like that, that I've seen in other films that do that. But, um, but the, the English remakes were the ones that were my introduction to them. So I seen them and I still, I actually still have not seen, uh, the original versions, but I've been trying to make a point to do that at some point. I think you will enjoy it. I think you will. But yes, unpopular horror opinions. If you are online and you happen to come across press and let them know your unpopular horror opinion, we'd love to hear it here at My Bloody Podcast. So, but I think that's it for news, right? Are we going to move on to bloody recommendations? Yes, moving on. Moving on. Bloody recommendations where we recommend a horror movie that you might not have heard of. So, Preston, what you got for me this week? I'm very excited. Uh, So you said one that you might not have heard of. Well, I'm going to go with one that you probably have heard of because originally for this episode we were going to do Scream, but we're going to save that uh, to happen a little later down the line in August. So I wanted to pick one that would kind of give you that fix. And I picked 1960s The Village of the Damned because I uh, recently watched this because uh, Warner Archive Collection just put out their uh, restoration of it. And it's a nice one, too. It looks really good. And it comes with a lot of these older films, especially like Twilight Time. They put out because, you know, a lot of the filmmakers and talent who are involved are no longer with us. So they get film historians and fans of the film who really appreciate and study the film and know a lot about it. Um, and so they have a film historian or an author of a book that uh, did this one. And it was really informative. Um, so, yeah, Village of the Damned. I had seen chunks of this 1960 original. Um I think in high school or maybe beforehand. Um, but I grew up, of course, watching John Carpenter's 1995 remake with Christopher Reeve and Christie Alley um, and Mark Hamill. Um, and so I haven't seen this one. And I, you know, putting them side by side, I, I think it's obvious that the original is the, the far, you know, the superior one of the two. Um, Especially because what's really cool to me and why I enjoy watching a lot of the stuff that Warner Archive Collection puts out or Twilight Time is uh, watching these older films and getting into that mindset of watching, just imagining myself being in the crowd, watching it for the first time the year that it came out. And so 1960 was a huge year for horror because you had Psycho and um bloody sunday i think or black sunday right yes sunday black sunday i think is what or sunday bloody sunday yes um and then eye of the window hope i'm getting all these right Uh, i wrote a pretty uh or a piece on it uh yeah eyes without a face peeping tom and black sunday um all had come out in 1960 
And so what, what's so cool about that year is that, you know, there was no buildup from the previous decade that movies like th- all of those would be um, taking chances, and especially Village of the Damned, because um, what happens in the film, and so the story is that this thing happens in, like, this english uh village where every man woman and child or animal just falls to the ground unconscious and no nobody knows what happens and so like the military comes in and so they do all these tests like with like birds and other than even people like walk into the the area where this thing is happening and they fall unconscious so the bird, like when they show the bird, like being pulled over into like an area where a guy has fallen, like near the border of where it's happening and, uh, the bird just falls. And so, but then as they're still doing the testing, like everybody who was, uh, that fell in this village wakes up and everybody's baffled. They don't know what the hell happened. And so, uh, what happens is every woman who is of the childbearing age has a child and they're all born on the same day and they all have white hair because uh, once the all the women have the birth the babies birth these fetuses they all grow at a rapid rate and have white hair and telekinetic powers. And so like what happens in a lot of the movies that come out at that time when something scary happens or like any movie that we really see where something's happening and you just don't know how people are just scared of what could happen. So they immediately go towards, we need to kill them. We need to blow them up and we got to do all this. And so that that's, that's what kind of happens in this film. But I, what, what I really like about it is that it's a movie that does not provide, it's not a defined film. It doesn't provide answers. And so a lot of it is just kind of left to you to kind of develop your own theories and think about it. And I just think that that's, it's really crazy to think that a movie like that came about in 1960. And then the reason why they made it in it as a, set in an English village as opposed to it being like an American production that happened over here. Um, like they, uh, at that time who wants to make, uh, you know, have a part in their story where all these women, you know, like the Virgin Mary, like some stuff that could, uh, really cause an uproar, um, amongst religious groups. And so they just didn't, so there's just like a lot of elements that are not, not even like gory elements or anything like that, but just like all these elements that would not probably sit very well. And some of the things that happen in these other films that I had mentioned, like eyes without a face and, uh, peeping Tom and black Sunday. And they, they would show things that had never really been shown before in film. And so I think that village of the damned is one to revisit or see for the first time, especially on Warner archives, uh, collection of, of the film. Um, cause it looks its best. Uh, it, you should, you should, uh, watch it again because, um, 
and just kind of see like how far we've come and like and, and get inside that mindset of being somebody who was there in 1960, kind of watching that for the first time. Cause it's, it's crazy. It's really crazy. So I don't know when's the last time that you've seen it, but, um, it holds up really, really well. Yes. It's been, it's been a few years since I've seen that and the nineties version. Uh, but yeah, the sixties version is just so, so good. And it's, they don't. They, I wish they still made movies like this, um, just because of just how it's told and just how creepy and all the parts that fit together with it. It's really good, and that's a damn good bloody recommendation. Mine's not as yeah, good. and it's short too. It's yeah. seventy-seven minutes. Um, I wish I wish it was longer because it takes its time, kind of building up the the idea and just like the whole mystery of it all. And so when the kids kind of come into the picture, it, it happens um, a little later towards in later in the film. And I know a lot of people have had that complaint where they wish that they had more time with the children. But I guess there's Children of the Dam that came out, too, as well, uh, a few years later. Um, but, yeah, I agree. Like, I wish I had a little more time with them because they were, uh, they were good characters and where it all goes. And it has George Sanders in it. <laughs> um, who, who I love. Um, cause I recently watched, uh, Rebecca, which hit criterion in 1940 hit, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca. Correct. Um, hit, and then he played uh Sher Khan, the tiger in, uh, the jungle book, the animated version. Yep. Very so. good stuff. Good, good stuff. Well, that's a good recommendation, man. Shit. Yeah. Should have gone with mine first. Because that was the better one. But my bloody recommendation is actually from the 60s as well. But you probably haven't heard of it. Um, It is a movie called Planet of the Vampires. And it's from 1965. And it is an Italian horror film by Mario Bava. And you probably have heard of him. Um, But again, Mario Bava is one of the more prolific Italian horror filmmakers. Uh, His work is well known amongst us horror movie aficionados and critics. Uh, But yeah, his, his attention to detail and uh, film camera work is just... It's legendary, uh, but one of the one of the movies that's most talked about, I think, with him still today, is his 1965 film *Planet of the Vampires*. I don't think it's his best film, but it's his most interesting. And don't let the title fool you called *Planet of the Vampires*, because in fact, there are no vampires in this movie whatsoever. Um. If you were to give this movie an alternate title, it should be called Alien. And yes, that alien was Sigourney Weaver because uh, the movie Alien by Ridley Scott with Sigourney Weaver, Ripley, got a lot of its cues and images and everything from this movie, uh, Planet of the Vampires. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Um The story starts out with two large ships traveling through space on a mission to explore the vastness 
of the galaxy. Um, the two ships uh, receive this distress signal, uh, and when it gets there, uh, the crew kind of comes in contact with something. The crew becomes possessed, and they start to kill each other off. Uh, yeah, it's super cool, but it, it's, it's a cool story, and the way it's filmed is excellent, but there's so many instances in this movie called Planet of the Vampires that Alien directly took from this movie. It's insane. Uh, when you watch it, you're like, what? Ridley Scott had to have seen this and definitely put it in his movie Alien. Um, highly recommend So he did the whole Tarantino thing where he watches films that, you know, a lot of people probably haven't seen, but he's going to take from it. Yes, for sure. Um, this movie is on Blu-ray. It is excellent. Um, Who put it out? Um, I'm trying to remember. I'm going to look real quick. Uh, I'm trying to remember who put this out. It wasn't Scream Factory, I don't think. Um, But it was something of the sort uh, recently. I'm I'm trying to remember. Um, MGM Midnight Movies DVD release. Um... So it looks like something around there, like an MGM type of thing. Uh, but yeah, it's it's fantastic. Highly recommended it. Uh, it's something that you just have to kind of see. Um, but when you see like some of the large skeletal remains in the movie, you're just like, oh my god, this is straight out of Alien. Or Alien got this from that. Uh, there's several uh, extras on it that you probably want to uh, probably want to watch on there uh damn good i I can't recommend this uh highly enough so uh i'm I'm trying to find out what it is but i mean i'm looking on amazon and like one of the editorial reviews says close encounters of the undead kind (laughs) it's a lot like alien i'm telling you yeah it looks like kino lober oh okay uh, yeah kino lorber yeah they put it out um, but it's fantastic. And uh, it's weird that they call it Planet of the Vampires and there's no vampires in the movie. Um, but yes, it's, uh, it's good stuff. Highly recommended. Check that out. Seek it out if it's uh, cheap enough for you. So, yeah. well, very cool. Yes. I think that's a good one because, uh, I mean, I have never seen it, but it definitely has uh, captured my interest. Good, good, good. Both, both good 1960s movies here for you all. Uh, but on to the main event. I've been waiting for this all week. You have no idea. Yes. When you, you don't know, for those of you listening, um, when we, we, were, we were supposed to do Scream, we're waiting on that, but instead of Scream, I was like, let's do Dead Alive. And press like, I don't remember seeing Dead Alive. And I like freaked out. I was like, oh, and not freaked out in a bad way. I was like, dude, wait, let's watch this. You got to watch this. This is your homework tonight. And then he texts me today. I am watching Dead Alive at lunch today. And I was like, good luck with that. Because <laughs> if you've ever seen Dead Alive, it's billed as the goriest movie ever made. Um, but this movie, Dead Alive, a.k.a. Brain Dead, came out in 1992 and is a New Zealand film from Peter Jackson. Yes, the Peter Jackson that gave us all three Lord of the Rings movies, all three Hobbit movies, uh, gave us King Kong remake in 2005. 
that guy is not the guy you think he is. He is a hardcore, like, D-movie gore porn type of director. And it's just, there needs to be a documentary on, like, how he actually got Lord of the Rings. Because it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, when you see yeah. movies like this, Dead Alive. Uh, and it is so amazing. I just have to say, it is fantastic. And I love it so much. But I have to ask Preston, do you love it as much as I do? Is it as fun and entertaining and very Peter Jackson-esque? Yeah. Um, In a lot of ways, it is the greatest hits of everything we've reviewed thus far or (laughs) greatly admire. Um, it's got Return of the Living Dead, Reanimator, and uh, Babadook, and man, so so many other things, zombie films, and um, man, it was a very bizarre uh, experience watching this because uh, I haven't. I mean, it, I, you can just treat it as like it was brand new to me. Which is is cool because you hadn't seen it so long, but it was brand new. And when you probably saw it, the opening scene, uh, basically this movie, uh, it's like a bunch of zombie demon people. But what happens, how they turn into it is by some Sumerian rat monkey that they get on Skull Island. And if you've seen Peter Jackson's King Kong. Skull Island. Yeah, Skull (laughs) Island. They go to Skull Island where King Kong is, but... There's a lot of the same shots and kind of like a lot of the same things that happen in King Kong that happen in this movie. And I thought that was funny. Like Peter Jackson got to remake basically this over again with like $200 million budget. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's strange because it goes from like that opening that feels like Indiana Jones esque of, of like these guys trying to get this monkey, retrieve this monkey and, uh, one of them gets infected, and man, how they take care of that guy is insane. Uh, but then from there, it goes into like lifetime movie mode. And at that point, I was like, "Am I am I am I watching the right movie?" No, um, yeah, it's like it goes I, like I, to romantic comedy, like silly romantic comedy. <laughs> yeah, like with like cheap '90s kid movie mu- uh, musical score in it, and. Yeah, that threw me for a loop. And but, then, but then man, it goes batshit insane. <laughs> yes. Good God. Like, there's... I'm just so glad you I watched this I during lunch. Uh, <laughs> like if I, you know, most of the time when I do these uh, feature reviews, I, like, take notes. I, like, write it down. But, like, at this point, there was just too much. It was, like, an overwhelming amount of things. Like, too many, like, great death scenes. And um, that th- there's no way that I could just keep pen to paper without you know missing something um so i did not do that this time and i just just enjoyed the wild ride that it took me on and uh so i I, uh watched some of it uh today and then uh finished the rest of it before we did this podcast a few hours ago and I was watching it on my phone because I, you know, I watched it the part of the way that you shouldn't watch it. It's it, you can watch it on YouTube, and I was I had like my earphones plugged in, and I was like cooking dinner, and I was just like, "Oh God!" Uh, and she's like, "What?" And, and then 
And then I like showed her a piece of it at when it's like at its craziest. Um, you know, the, the mother monster that happens at the end. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, you're, you're my child getting back into my womb. It, like, Oh God. Um, <laughs> oh, to hear you describe it, you're and, like, and, and Oh then, God, flashbacks. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's funny that you were, when we were texting each other, he's like, you're going to watch this during lunch. All right. Good luck. Um, yeah, you weren't kidding. There's what's like one of the great things about the movie outside of, and when it's gory, it's like, it's, it's like a goofy, funny kind of gory. Like the blood is just, you know, it's like paste. It, it looks like, uh, meat in a meat grinder, uh, or gone through a blender and it goes on people. So that it, it, it's not like evil dead, like the remake where it's just like, Oh my God, where it just looks too real. Um, there's like a funness to it all that makes it enjoyable. And part of that fun kind of comes from a lot of the sound, sound effects that are in the movie. Um, and man, uh, it's kind of like, you know, when, when I watched a quiet place, um, for the first time and you're watching that in a theater and you're like, man, we really do make a lot of noises, uh, when we're watching movies, we just don't even know it. And then when I'm watching this, or after I had finished watching it, I'm eating dinner, and I'm, like, making, like, you know, like, all these noises. <laughs> and I was like, that is all over. And I could, I was thinking about the movie every time I was eating something. I was just like, oh, God, I can't, yeah, because, can't dip my uh, tater tots into ketchup right now. Yeah, because one of the scenes is at a dinner table, and they're literally eating baked oh, beans God. and, like, tapioca pudding. And you, all the the audio is, like, amplified to, like, 11 so it's really mm. gross, but then like people's limbs start falling off and ears, and it's just it just gets crazy. Yeah, the gr- <laughs> the mother's ear f- falls into soup and she eats her own ear. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that 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 scene where that guy is because uh, like dinner guests over, and um, and then the the mom's like messing with this her bike because that's what happens like. I guess we should kind of give people somewhat of a reference. So the movie's about this young man's mother who is bitten by this uh, rat monkey that you were talking about, Brian, and she gets sick, she dies, and then she comes back to life. And then uh, there's killing and eating dogs and uh, nurses. And my God, the nurse. Oh, the nurse is great. Like 30 minutes about the nurse. Uh, Love yes. that nurse. So she gets like she's like nearly headless Nick. Um, she gets her <laughs> she gets her head like uh, almost fully decapitated, and it just like falls back. And so whenever she turns into her zombie form, um, like Peter Jackson does some like really great stuff with the camera work because even the camera works just like it's really like in your face. Like there's like a point early on in the film before like things before the shit hits the fan. Um, like a dog comes over and like licks, uh, the main guy's face, um, uh, Lionel and the way that the camera is, it's like, it's almost like as if you're the dog that's licking him. And so like shots like that happen all over. So the point where this nurse is like almost decapitated and is in her zombie form, um, the camera's upside down and um, the stuff that they do 
with that character all throughout the film is so inventive. I think there's that even what one point in it. And I had referenced the Boba Duke just because at and spoiler for the Boba Duke, if you haven't seen it, but at the end of the film, like they're, it's almost like it's their pet monster. They keep it and they're feeding it. And so that's what Lionel does. Like once things are like completely out of hand and more and more people become these zombies. Yeah. Because, because um, they throw a he's party. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and so he's like trying to keep them all contained and giving them food. And like the nurse is like eating pudding or something. And then it, because she's decapitated, it's like coming or slightly decapitated. Um, there's like stuff coming out of her neck. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's so good. And there's like, there's other scenes in there too. Like, you know, if you talk about like, so there's like a demon baby born because two of these like zombie demons oh, kind yes. of have sex. And then there's like put completely out of the blue, a scene where Lionel takes this baby to the park and like basically beats <laughs> the shit out of it for like 10 minutes. But there's like happy music <laughs> to it. It's just really funny because the baby's trying to eat dogs and other babies. and <laughs> It's just super funny. Uh, I felt it was like an SNL skit, basically, but it was just hilarious. Like, and Lionel's like a guy yeah. wants to take care of this baby, uh, but you know he's like a zombie demon. But oh, it's so funny, and like it's like a mix of like a doll and like a little person in a suit. A dwarf. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Um. The, the, there's stuff like that in there, and then there's like so one of one of the characters in the movie is a priest, and it yeah. turns out this priest is like a ninja. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Father Magruder. Oh my god. And like he has some of the best lines in the movie. It's amazing. And then he of course the best line in the movie. Which is Um I Kick ass. What was it? Uh I, yeah, kick ass. Uh, kick for ass the Lord. For the Lord. Yes, for the Lord. And then like he does this kung yeah. fu where he like will punch like somebody like ten times in the same place or kick them ten times in the same place. Oh, it's so good. Uh and then of course it, another character in the film is an actual like intestine colon liver type yeah. thing that crawls around through all the house and tries to strangle people complete with bodily function sounds. Uh, Oh my goodness. But probably my favorite part of the movie, of course, is when Lionel's had enough. He comes into the house full of zombie demons armed only with a lawnmower that he has put upright with the saw blade rotating. And I don't know how much buckets Mows of them down. Yeah. I, like, not, like, on the floor. He just has this chainsaw up in the air. And I can't imagine how much they filmed this, how much gooey entrails they used. But it, they really put him through the ringer. If you thought Evil Dead with Bruce Campbell got a lot of shit thrown on him, you haven't seen this movie. <laughs> it just keeps yeah. coming. Oh, this And then another good scene was uh, Uncle, I think it was Uncle Les. Yes. Right. It's the guy who gets the house. Um, he has a scene where he gets to kill a lot of them too. And the way that they shoot it, it's like him just going ape shit on all these zombie characters with uh, a knife or a machete or something. And then the, 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 the way that they shoot, I don't know. It's like hyper realistic. It's just like really fast. 
And then the next scene shows him a, a wide shot of like all the stacked bodies. And then he just like smokes up for it. It's, it's perfect. Cause there's a lot like the bad people in this movie are truly bad. Like his mother and his uncle, but then the, the good people in it are so good. And when you watch it, you're just like, Holy shit. These are kind of like the same shots that are in Lord of the Rings, but done like mm-hmm. on like a super small budget. Oh, this movie is so much fun. And it's, I mean, because it's the same people, it's Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh who were in or who did Lord of the Rings. So it's just, oh, he's just so good. It's it's so much fun. And it's not taken, it doesn't take itself seriously. You know, just, they did a good job, right? Yeah. I really wish he would go back to doing films like this. Because uh, you were saying, like, you know, this movie came out in 1992. And for all of what happens in the last 30 minutes, it's hard to believe that just five years later, he was already prepping Lord for of Lord of the Rings. Cause, and you got to think, like, I, yeah, because you got to think, like, Warner Brothers was, like, the fucking dead alive guy. And then Peter came in and was yeah. like, dude, I know everything there is to know about Lord of the Rings. This is what I have in mind. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Let's do it. And, yep. you, you know, you just think like like a couple of weeks ago or last week we talked about James Cameron doing Piranha 2. You know, you never know where you're going to go. <laughs> so, yeah. but it's amazing how the short amount of time such as this, you go from this movie where there's like an anus killing you to mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings winning Oscars. It's just, it's fantastic and lovely. <laughs> but yeah. agree with Preston. I hope, I hope one day Peter Jackson does go like back to this route where he's like $5 million. Cool. I'll make a horror movie and go back to his roots because I'm sure he'd make something amazing. Yeah. Like lovely. You said lovely. So lovely bones could have been a very different movie. <laughs> yes, it could have. It could have been way different. Um, and I can't wait because in our future episodes, I'm going to introduce Preston to a couple other Peter Jackson films, uh, such as Meet the Feebles and, um, oh, his first one. What was his first one called? Oh, I'm trying to remember. Um, it's it's not Brain Dead. It is, um, oh, no, what is it? It's called Bad Taste. And that was from 1987. And it is about uh, um, alien monsters that come to Earth and try to make a fast food chain out of humans. But there is some crazy stuff in that movie as well. So, uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm all on board with Peter Jackson Brain Dead, And I'm just so glad, Preston, you love this movie because wouldn't this movie be fun i mean you watch it on your phone wouldn't this be awesome to watch like in a big theater with a bunch of people Mm-hmm. yeah i would oh definitely go to if alamo did one of the, or texas theater did like a fun retro screening of it it'd be really enjoyable hey hey we have we have contacts we can we can put this movie up at Angelica or uh, Alamo or Texas Theater for a night. Let's do it. Sounds good to me. Heck, I bet we can even get Peter Jackson on Skype to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he would do that at the drop of a hat. Oh well, it, it doesn't hurt to try. But yes, um, we should we should try this soon because it'd be so much so much fun to watch in the theater. Just be like, hey, some hairy chested uh, Texas boys want to have a Skype call with you and talk about Brain Dead yes. or uh, Dead Alive. Very much so. Um, does that wrap up our fifteenth episode? Yeah, that does it. Well, that was it's bedtime. Yeah, that was super a lot of fun. It is it is in the witching hour, folks, uh, here in North Texas. But we are My Bloody Podcast on Stitcher Radio and iTunes. Please subscribe. We're going to try to get on Google Play and Spotify and everything else at some point, hopefully soon. I'm Brian Kluger with Boomstick Comics and High Def Digest. Preston, tell them where everyone can find you, write you, call you. Yes, uh, you can find me on the Twitters at Preston Barta, B-A-R-T-A. And you can also find me on FreshFiction.tv, where I'm the features editor. And on Denton Record Chronicle, in the Denton Record Chronicle, on DentonRC.com. And I did a review of Blind Spotting and uh, for this week, for Blu-rays, for next week's Blu-rays, uh, will be... The Predator Trilogy, Pie Wacket, Wilding, and uh, Streets of Vengeance. Yeah, lots of good stuff. I like it. I like it a lot. My Bloody Podcast, Episode 15. We'll be back next week with Episode 16 in Preston. I'm looking forward to watching Greasy Strangler with you. Yes. (laughs) Till then, have a good night, folks.